Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And I'm happy today because we're talking about one of my favorite topics. And I owe thanks to Twitter user NegaOrix, who put out a tweet the other day that was flagged to me by so, so many of you that said the following, reminder to always read the fine print before applying to or signing up for anything. If you're cool with these terms, awesome. I wish you luck on your application. But many others scroll through and click I accept without reading and might not know what they're signing off on. And her highlight here was in particular in respect of a partnership program, which we're going to talk about with you today, for a company by the name of NZXT that said for your content made under the auspices of this partnership program somehow, in exchange for your being a partner, you grant this company a perpetual, non-exclusive, transferable, sub-licensable, irrevocable, worldwide, and royalty-free license to publish and display your content in whole or part in any medium for any business purpose. And we'll come back to that. But as you might imagine, this raised the concern of Nega Oryx. That's why she's putting it in this tweet and others that flagged this for me. That is basically, we can do whatever we want with your work forever says Driego42. They could even give it to others for use without even contacting you. Is this kind of thing normal? To which I responded, well, it depends on what you are getting. This was pretty late at night for me, so I wasn't able to look at the partnership agreement as it stood when I made this tweet. But I said, effectively, you have something they want, and presumably they have something that you want. The most important thing in deal making is understanding the proposed deal. A license like this one highlighted can make sense if you're getting paid handsomely for it or if you're otherwise getting something of value that you really want or need. But the message from the poster is correct. You can't evaluate what you don't even read. Every contract is important to read, but especially when money and or property rights are exchanged, which are flags that happen whenever you're talking about a partnership or a sponsorship, etc. Now, I do want to back up a step before we go much further from here. I want to mention the fact that, as you'll see at the end of this video and every video in virtual legality, this is, of course, not legal advice. I'm not going to be talking to you, dear viewer or listener, as if you've got the NZXT partnership terms in front of you and you're looking for some legal counsel. If you do want that, you should definitely contact a lawyer of your own who knows your position and can talk you through what you're looking at specifically. But I also want to flag that this is, in fact, one of my favorite topics, and I am regularly telling people how to read contracts, and more importantly, that they should be reading them, especially if they're important, especially if they relate to their livelihood and how they are planning to make this whole thing in the world work for them. Then you should read it, you should understand it, and if you don't quite understand it, you should definitely seek out your own counsel, which hopefully can get you the information you need at a relatively low cost basis. I know lawyers are expensive. That's part of the reason why virtual legality exists is to have conversations that are hopefully informational, educational with you all about these things. But let's talk about the specifics of what was brought up here. So first of all, if you're not familiar with NZXT, I certainly wasn't. It appears from all available outlets here that they make custom PC rigs, right? You've got gaming PCs, you've got a tab, build a custom PC. We also sell computers that we put together for everyone else. Our purpose is to serve the PC gaming community and we are relentless in making the experience achievable and seamless for everyone. Now, as part of this goal, they've looked at ways to market their product line, their service line, and they want to 
get folks that stream video games into a partnership program, presumably to enhance their business interests. And if everything's working out to enhance the business interests of the streamers or content creators themselves, they have this new partner page. This is what was linked to yesterday. It says, we love creators. If you're an NZXT fan and you make cool content, we want to work with you. Great content inspires people and fosters community. At NZXT, we believe we win together. The NZXT Partner Program gives creators the tools, resources, and support to achieve their goals and is currently in beta. We're open to feedback as we continue. We'll talk about feedback more in just a second. But what do you get? Well, it, you get... Uh, Exclusive merch, you get membership to SolarStream, you get included in the Epic Supporter Creator Program, access to their Discord, a newsletter, and access to some products at level one. And this level one concept is clearly still being worked out between these various levels. But if I'm looking at this, frankly, it's not much, right? You want to be associated with them in some capacity, maybe get some swag, as they describe it here, out of the deal, and you're otherwise not getting a ton, certainly no money is referenced here. This is just an affiliation kind of concept to potentially get some things either to review or to pitch on premises that we're not going to know about because they're not included in the terms of service, but more on that in just a second. By the time you get to level two, you get a little bit more solar stream. You can get featured. We'll feature your content on our website to help grow your exposure. More on that in just a second. Exclusive merch, more for level two. Level two is bigger than level one. A build kit and sponsorship consideration. And here's the carrot on the end of the stick, right? Sponsorship consideration is, hey, we might give you money. We might actually pay for something. And if you're trying to make your livelihood on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook gaming or wherever you're at, then that's the end goal, right? Is to actually get a contract that pays you to do this thing that hopefully you love, that you're passionate about. And for NZXT to get someone that's cool, that's building an audience, that is having this connection with fans, also happen to wear their hats or their shirts or talk about their product lines. So that's kind of a normal partnership program, but it doesn't offer a ton of the partners. You see, consideration, of course, is not consideration as us lawyers might think of it, the actual exchanging of money, but is instead, hey, we'll think about maybe having a sponsorship with some of you, which means when you get into the nuts and bolts of what they ask you to sign, it's important to look at the deal and say, okay, is that enough for me? Remember, my answer was you have to understand what you're getting. And if you're giving something that is of equal or lesser from your perspective value so that you're happy with the transaction that you've entered into. As we look at that partnership agreement, it doesn't seem like there's a lot that's being promised to you. And we'll see that there's even less promised to you outside of just this marketing page in the legal document itself. Now, in terms of logistics here, you can see this is a very uncomfortable way to read a document like this. You get these little boxes. And certainly, I would prefer if these were bigger, if these had a download button or something along those lines. But hey, I can copy and paste just like anybody else. And I can look at them so that you don't have to. This is not true. You should definitely look at them yourselves. But I can certainly talk to you about them today. So that's what I did. I took these terms and conditions. I reformatted them a little bit for just ease of viewpoint here in a YouTube video. And I highlighted some things that I thought were pertinent. We're definitely gonna be talking about that content license when we get to it. But there's other things that you can just pull out of a document like this. And it's why you should, if you can, read the terms of service, read the terms of use, read anything that's proposed to you like this, if and when you want to enter into a relationship 
with another party. Now, of course, we get hit by so many of these throughout our daily life that you're going to be picking and choosing to some extent. I think the example I always use is Activision, which obviously in the news for all the wrong reasons of late, but maybe should have been in the news even before that for putting ridiculous license agreements on their video games. Crash Bandicoot, you want to play a single player Crash Bandicoot, you're going to have to click through, I think, 30 pages of end user license agreement. And for the most part, I'm not reading those any more than anybody else is because you have limited exposure risk in your playing of Crash Bandicoot. There's limited things that Activision could take from you. When you're creating content, that's different. You have to be careful with money changing hands. You have to be careful with the intellectual property that you're creating by the act of getting on stream and entertaining people and having that relationship. You're creating things. Those copyrights attach immediately. Trademarks attach immediately. And if you're licensing them out for some reason, you have to be very sure you understand what you're giving up and that it equates with what you're getting. So we look at these terms of service and they say, we reserve the right to change or modify these terms without prior notice. That's pretty normal. The next sentence is maybe a little bit less so. You understand that your continued participation after such modification will indicate your acceptance to the modified terms. Do you see what's missing? If you go and you look at the YouTube terms, the Facebook terms, most of these big companies are going to have the right sequence of events here, even if it's fundamentally unfair for just the user or subscriber. And they will say, we can change whatever we want. We'll tell you about it when we do. And then if you continue using our service after those have gone into effect, then they apply to you. You see this all the time. You have YouTube, I think, has had pending, I think it's January 1 terms of service now for a month. Hey, we're going to notify you. It's going to go up. If you continue using our service after that, we accept it. This doesn't have that. We reserve the right to change. If you use it after we change it, well, that's on you. And there's no indication that they're going to tell you about it. Now, they'd get into trouble with the court system and all sorts of things on a kind of public policy perspective if and when it came to it on those grounds. But it's not a great starting off point when you're looking at a document like this. By applying to the program, you represent that you are at least 13 years of age. I said, huh, 13's pretty young. That goes with data collection policies online, but you can't actually sign a contract at the age of 13, which is why the next part of this is you also represent and warrant that your parent or legal guardian agrees to be bound by these terms of service if you are between 13 and the age of legal majority in your jurisdiction. Very often 18 in states in the United States. So if you're between the time when you can actually sign a contract, you are attesting to the fact that an adult somewhere down the line is agreeing to these terms on your behalf. Already kind of questionable when you've got a click through that you just have to give an email for as I did earlier today, but that's the right legal language in this section. Then you have some non-legal language. What's the purpose of this program? Through relationship building with streamers and other content creators who have a passion for our brand, embody our core values and embrace the diversity of the gaming community, we aim to create an organic partnership program that puts the content creator first. The program will give persons accepted into the program, partners, access to certain perks, benefits, and support as determined by NZXT to facilitate the growth and goals of both NZXT and NZXT partners. Now, what's interesting about this section is that this is ostensibly where the consideration coming from NZXT lives. We looked at their website. We looked at their marketing about what they could give you, consideration for things, build packages, other stuff. But... They don't actually commit to that in this particular document. They say, here's the partnership program. We want people that are enthusiastic about us. And if you're accepted, you'll get access to certain things as determined by us. Even as a legal document, there isn't a lot of 
differentiation given here to what a partner might otherwise receive. NZXT doesn't want to bind itself. You can certainly understand that from their perspective. It means that what we looked at, even just in their marketing, isn't as solid as it might otherwise be in this document. So you're getting even less than we thought you might otherwise be getting just looking at that marketing website. You have an application process here. If you are accepted, you will become a partner. Then we have a little reference to feedback. Remember, they called for that. They said, this is a beta. We love feedback. And then they have a fairly normal legal term here. You're not under any obligation to give us feedback. But if you do, you hereby grant to us a non-exclusive, transferable, irrevocable, worldwide, royalty-free license with rights to sub-license to make, use, sell, offer to sell, reproduce, modify, distribute, make available, publicly display, and perform, disclose, and otherwise exploit the feedback. Now, this is actually a good reference point for what we're going to talk about with respect to the content. And you always see these kinds of things that I read pretty quickly here in virtual legality because, well, that's the best way to read legalese sometimes. But they all do mean something. Non-exclusive means it's not exclusive to NZXT. That's an important term because if this said exclusive, it could actually be read as meaning that you yourself can't use the feedback or you yourself later on couldn't use the content. The fact that it's non-exclusive means, yes, you can transfer to other people, but also that you can use it yourself. So that's good. Transferable means that they could send it on to an affiliate or some other party. Irrevocable means there's nothing that you can do to get it back. Worldwide means worldwide. Royalty-free means they don't have to pay for it at all with a right to sublicense so that they can move it on to another party under a license agreement that could potentially have a royalty attached to it. And then you give them the rights to do all these various things. And this is effectively the entire intellectual property bundle. They can use it. They can sell it. They can offer to sell it. They can reproduce it. They can change it. They can move it around and transfer it. They can make it available to people. and That can be for free. They can publicly display and perform it. They can tell folks about it. And they can otherwise use it. This is the umbrella term. That's a lot longer than what we'll see attached to content. And I think that does make a difference, even if it's vague enough that you don't necessarily have to feel comfortable about it if you're reading these terms of service for yourself. Now, your obligations is also important. You acknowledge and agree that if you are provided access to our partner channels, their Discord here is referenced, or any other affiliated channels, you shall abide by any and all rules thereof. That's normal. That makes sense. Nothing problematic there, but it is an obligation of yours. And then this one might jump out at people as well. Your digital and online presence in any medium, on any platform, throughout the world, whether currently existing or here and after devised, including without limitation, live streaming, recorded audiovisual content, photographs, videos, written documentation, blogs, vlogs, podcasts, audio recordings, and or social media posts relating to, arising out of, or in connection with the program, NZXT or any of NZXT's affiliates and partners will not contain Subject matter that is inappropriate, indecent, obscene, offensive, explicit, pornographic, hateful, tortious, defamatory, promote bigotry, racism, hatred, or harm against any group or individual, promote discrimination based on race, gender, ethnicity, religion, nationality, disability, sexual orientation, or age, promote alcohol, illegal drugs, or tobacco, is inconsistent with the message, brand, or image of NZXT or its affiliates, or is otherwise in violation of the terms of service that you're operating under on that platform. Now, there's a whole bunch there, but there's ambiguous vagaries that could cover them in virtually any instance where you say something that they otherwise deem to be, for lack of a better word, problematic. Now, they're only supposed to be talking about things that relate to, arise out of, or are in connection with this thing that you are entering into with them, but it's a little bit unclear where that line would be drawn. If you're operating on Twitch or another streaming service as an NZXT partner, 
and that's listed in your Twitter bio or that's listed somewhere else. And you say something that, to really be ambiguous, is inconsistent with the image of NZXT, whatever that might be, then they can ding you and contact whoever and tell them that you're in breach and have a contract claim potentially against you. Now, what the damages would be for that are entirely unclear, but this is essentially a block on how you interact with the world because as a partner of this company, you're generally going to be associated with them by the nature of the relationship itself. So this can be a problem for folks. And again, if we were on equal footing and we were negotiating across a conference room table, I would absolutely hack apart some of this stuff in terms of making sure that the definitions are clear and not ambiguous, right? You can understand why a company wants to make sure that somebody that is a representative of theirs is going to have their logos, their shirts, their, their hats, whatever it's going to be, that they aren't making the company look bad. This is to make the company look good, not make the company look bad. And so they need the way to get out of the contract if they want to with this kind of language. But this is very, very broad and ambiguous to comply with and covers everything that you might otherwise say online. Folks need to understand that this is part of the bargain if they want to enter into a deal like this one. And then we get to the term that was brought up by NegaOrix, NZXT's use of your content in exchange for being an NZXT partner. So in every contract, there has to be an exchange of consideration. One party has to give something. The other party has to give something as well. So what they are saying here is that outside of the fact that we're not committing to give you anything in particular, there is value just in your being able to be called an NZXT partner. So in exchange for that value, as amorphous as it might be, you grant to us a perpetual, it's forever, non-exclusive, it's not exclusive to us, so you can still do your own thing with your own content, transferable, sub-licensable, we can move it around, irrevocable, you can't take it away, worldwide, and royalty-free license. It's free to us. To what? To publish and display your content in whole or in part in any medium for any business purpose. Now, there's a number of reasons why this is probably too broad, but if we were to give the benefit of the doubt, when we go and we look at those partner advantages, one of those is being featured on their website, which because you have the copyright and the content that you created, because you operated on Twitch or wherever you did this kind of thing, they would actually need a license from you to put it on their website for this purpose. Now, they could say that, right? I highlighted this in green for any business purpose, very, very, very broad, it could say specifically for the purpose of displaying your content on our website and to promote the content that you're creating. Make it clear that it is for the purpose that they're suggesting in their marketing. Instead, by saying we get the right to publish and display for any business purpose while also having a license that is sub-licensable and transferable, you create a situation that says, well, any company's business purpose, not just even having Twitch streaming or selling computers, what if somebody you transfer this to wants to use my content, my image and likeness in some fashion that I find untowards that's selling some kind of product that I find untowards? Whatever that might be for you, viewer or listener, that can be something that you can imagine having your face or video stream or otherwise associated with that you don't like. Now, it's also worthwhile to note that this list, as we talked about with respect to feedback, is much smaller than what they can do with feedback, right? You don't actually see sell or offer to sell. You don't see some of the references that might otherwise be problematic for your content. So this isn't quite as Driego42 described, we can do whatever we want with your work forever. 
but it's also not terribly comforting, right? Publish and display is the primary thing you would want to do with a video stream or with an image. And so that's the, the crux of what that intellectual property is for, and they can do it. Sales get a little bit odd in any event because let's say they just took all their partners and built Twitch 2 and wanted to put all those videos up to collect something, collect advertising dollars, just to collect eyeballs for their products and services. Is that a legitimate publish and display? Or do we start to kind of get into potential violations of sell, offer to sell, reproduce, that kind of thing? Note that they didn't actually include the word reproduce when I'm pretty sure they need it for this purpose. Uh, but again, it's kind of a beta license here. So they would probably fix that kind of thing as things move along. So it's not nearly as bad as what some commenters are saying while still being significantly bad and certainly something that is of high value being lost, right? If you've given someone else the right to publish and display your content, that content, wherever they might put it, is no longer collecting whatever you might be collecting through your streaming service, whether that's ad revenue, whether that's the little sparkle things on Twitch that I can never remember the name of, whether it's tips in a tip jar, whatever it might be, they are being separated from you and your image and likeness and your ability to make a livelihood. And that's an important part of this conversation. And if they were giving you something that you felt was of equal value, that's one thing. As Nega Oryx said in her tweet, right? If these terms are great for you, fantastic, but make sure you know what they mean. That's the best advice that anybody can give because we don't know what your value proposition might be. You might love this company so much that just the chance of exclusive merch is worth all of this. And that's totally fine. But everybody needs to understand it. And this is a pretty broad grant. And it's the kind of thing that, again, if somebody were sitting across from me at the conference room table, I'd say, well, let's make sure we get paid for that. Are we getting enough value? Should there be more dollars? Should there be more commitments? If I'm giving this up, I want to make sure, for instance, that I'm getting a sponsorship of some kind, that you are going to use it and you're going to put it on your website and you're going to use your traffic to help drive people to my content. Otherwise, I've got this ephemeral constant right out there, which also subjects me to your kind of moral questioning on how I operate on that platform or others. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get anything from it because your commitment is effectively non-existent. We get the rights as a partner to what you deign to give us at your determination. It's a hard contract to enter into. Third-party services, it's important to note vendors of ours may process your personal information. Some people will be sensitive to that. And our privacy statement says effectively that we can use the information you give to us for mostly legitimate reasons here, contact you about your information, verify the information, share it with authorized personnel as needed to administer your application and platform, feature or credit you in relation to our use of your content. Although, and this is important to them, some lawyer, some business person made sure that this proviso was added to this language. NZXT is not obligated to use your content. Just so we're clear, everything we put in the marketing, everything everywhere that we have shown you, we're not obligated to put that up on our platform. So yeah. And even with that being a proviso, one thing that I would certainly like to see here is if you do use it, you are obligated to credit me. You've claimed the right to this information to credit me in relation to your use of your content. You'll note that they didn't actually say that they would credit me in relation to the use of my content. So you got all these kinds of little things, none of which is really terribly problematic on its own, but they add up, they add together to the suggestion of a contract that, as all of these are, are written for the benefit of the contract drafter, but that should at least give you pause to think about whether you're getting the value that you want out of a relationship of this type. 
With respect to confidentiality, you acknowledge that any non-public information shared with you in connection with your application to or part participation in the program are the confidential information of NZXT. Now, this is odd just because of its overbreadth, right? Any non-public information shared with me in connection with all of this is suddenly confidential. That isn't that isn't really true, right? If, if they had a hot tip on a celebrity down the street and they wanted to chat with you about it, that doesn't suddenly become confidential information that is of some value to NZXT. Generally speaking, you'd have a definition here that said that is of business value to the company in question, that is proprietary to them, that it's created or relates to their model in some fashion. Just being non-public and shared with you in the course of this partnership broadens that out in a way that's unlikely to harm somebody, but is still broader than it needs to be. Also, you may only disclose your status as a partner provided you comply with your obligations under these terms. Okay, that makes sense. And do not misrepresent or embellish the relationship between us. Okay. And express, suggest, or imply that we endorse you or your business. Really? We're going to use the term partner to describe these parties. And I can't imply that you endorse what I'm doing. You have an application process that you reserve the right to reject for any and all reasons. I got through that application process. I get the label and that means I can't imply that you endorse who I am, what I talk about or what I do. I get how your lawyers draft this up, but it doesn't seem to work in the real situation that we're talking about here. And effectively means that I'm likely in breach as soon as I mention the fact that I'm an NZXT partner, because that does imply a certain amount of endorsement, no matter how you phrase it in your terms of service. In respect to termination, as I just mentioned, in its sole discretion, we may terminate the program or your status as a partner for any reason or no reason, effective immediately. As of that date of termination, you must delete references to your status as partner, stop access to our various platforms, and here's a kicker for you, may be asked to remove some or all of your content. Now, this language, much like the language describing their potential obligations, isn't written terribly well insofar as being asked to remove some of your all content doesn't mean that you have to do it. And it's unclear exactly what parameters they would use to determine that you should remove some or all of your content. This reserves the right for them to ask, but that in and of itself is a problem because for the most part, Streamers, other folks aren't going to be operating under these terms of service with counsel sitting next to them for every phone call or interaction. And so if you do get terminated for any reason or no reason by the NZXTs of the world, and then they send you a letter, maybe written on legal letterhead that says remove X, Y, and Z, you're probably not going to sit there and know that you can ask, but I'm unclear as to why I should have to do that when termination happens. But a lot of people are going to be intimidated by a communication like that, and they're going to get content removed, and they might not even know of this sentence here, which again is two-thirds of the way through this little block of text that probably you didn't read, even though when we're talking about relationships like this, you should. In terms of the warranties, you have to give the promises about what you're putting on your service. You promise that what you do is original work. You promise that it doesn't infringe on the rights of a third party. It's in compliance with applicable law, none of which are problematic warranties or disclaimers, except that as we talk about so often here in virtual legality, the actual act of streaming isn't documented terribly well in a lot of end user license agreements. The baseline Steam agreement, for instance, doesn't really give the right to display and produce streams. There can be games that do that through their own license agreements. In fact, we often reference games like Minecraft, League of Legends as having various bits of language that suggest that you can stream 
But a lot of games don't put that kind of policy, even if they have it, in the legal documentation themselves, which means that a content streamer is very often operating in a gray area where they can't really make some of these promises either to this company or even to Twitch itself. It's a big issue with the streaming community as it stands. Now, you give those representations and warranties, which are justified, they're normal, they give you nothing. To the fullest extent permitted by law, we do not make any representations, promises, or warranties expressed or implied about the program, including but not limited to any information, content, or materials contained therein, any content provided to you, and or any products or services provided to you as part of the program. Hey, if we send you a computer and it burns your house down, we don't have any liability for that. Now, you might be able to swing around on a product's liability claim separate from this contract. It depends on your jurisdiction. But to the best that they can, they're saying, thank you for your reps and warranties. We're not going to give you any. And we feel this is so important. We put it in block text for a full two-thirds of a page. Now, most of this is just repeating what they already said. We're not making you any promises. Everything we're delivering to you is as is. It's pretty normal for a contract of this type. But you need to know it, especially since this is a kind of relationship that really can involve physical goods, things that can cause more problems than just a kind of software license agreement or relationship. They also limit their liability. We're not going to be liable for any special damages, et cetera, et cetera. To be honest, this is actually one step better than we see in a lot of terms of services where they say, hey, to the fullest extent permitted, we're not liable for anything, including normal damages. They only limit it to special damages, but they also say we will never be liable for more than a hundred US dollars. Finally, we finish off with something that I think folks will be interested in if they've been in virtual legality before. This dispute resolution process is effectively mandatory arbitration in California. And I'll mention why that's important in just a second. It says you and NZXT agree that any dispute, claim, or controversy arising out of or relating to these terms or the breach, termination, enforcement, interpretation, or validity thereof, including the determination of the scope or applicability of this agreement to arbitrate, shall be determined by arbitration in Los Angeles, California before one arbitrator and JAMS standard streamlined arbitration rules. JAMS is just an arbitration company that you can select in a contract like this one. So mandatory arbitration and notwithstanding the foregoing, NZXT may seek and obtain injunctive or other equitable relief in any court of competent jurisdiction. Again, written the way we are used to seeing here. Hey, if you're infringing or otherwise causing them problems, they can get a court to try to stop you. But what's interesting here is that since they have taken their own rights to content and the right to use it, and there are some rules around how that license operates, it seems like the user themselves should have the right to seek injunctive relief for certain aspects of this agreement, just as much as NZXT can. They, of course, are not offered that in this agreement. But also, we see one of the big issues with arbitration that we've seen in the past year or two. You may not in any circumstance seek to enjoin or limit the availability of any of NZXT's products or services, and you may not arbitrate with any other or on a class action basis, which means we have mandatory arbitration arbitrated in California with a prohibition on class actions. Why is that important? Well, if you've been in virtual legality with us a little bit, you know that we've talked a lot about various aspects of Dr. Disrespect and Twitch and how Twitch's silence didn't mean much at the beginning, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things we covered was a tangential case that Patreon was facing with terms that included California governing law, mandatory arbitration, and a prohibition on class action and how Patreon got in trouble because California is a special state that in general puts the cost of arbitration on the party drafting the contract of adherence that you didn't really negotiate. And so patrons 
who, in my opinion, are unlikely to ultimately win the day on some of their complaints against Patreon, wound up seeking individual arbitration in a way that Patreon tried to get kicked out and the judge said, no, you can't get it kicked out. These are your terms that you drafted and Patreon would be responsible for what amounts to kind of $10,000 arbitration fee for every single individual arbitration action that happens. And it provides a certain amount of leverage for individuals associated with these kinds of relationships because they can force that fee, honestly, regardless of whether they have strong merits to the case they seek to bring. In that video, I think I called it the Patreon uncomfortability zone. And you can see that when you have this sequence of language in the dispute resolution section, you can wind up in that same zone yourself. If you go and you look at the Patreon terms right now, you'll see that they don't have that concept. They have just California courts shall adjudicate various aspects of any disputes between us. They got burned here and they changed that up. A lot of companies have changed it up. A lot of companies haven't. Last I looked at the Twitch terms of service, Twitch itself has this kind of Patreon uncomfortability zone feature in the dispute resolution process and they have to keep track of those kinds of things perhaps a little bit more than a partnership program like this one, because you're probably not going to have thousands of people that would align against you in this capacity. Here you see the state of California mandated law. Finally, you see again, another reference to the fact that they can change the document without prior notice and no reference to the fact that they will give you that notice of the change. And so in this terms of service, which isn't terribly unusual for these kinds of things. In fact, if you go through the thread here, you'll see Nega Oryx say, companies normalize this kind of thing all the time and you should be aware of them, you have a situation where you are asked to give a substantial amount. You're asked to control your internet behavior. You're asked to give them the rights to content, whether or not that's sold. Significant rights in who you are as a creator and what you do with that, all for a single sentence that says, if you're made a partner, you'll get perks, benefits, and support as we determine. And it's a very amorphous kind of commitment and obligation from this other party. So all I really want to do now at the end of this video is say thank you to the Nega Oryxes of the world for continuing to make this apparent to folks and giving exactly the right message. This might be fine with you. That is totally okay. You might say, hey, my content is such and such, but they're giving me something that I want. Then that is exactly what you should be doing. Hopefully reading it yourself, even better reading it with counsel, especially when you're talking about things like intellectual property licenses. But in every case, making sure that you know what the deal is. That's the key before you click accept or otherwise sign on the dotted line. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy the content that we bring, business and law through the lens of video games, streaming technology, and more, please consider supporting us at Patreon. We can't do it without your support. We have other ways of supporting the channel down below, including shirts and fun stuff like that. Otherwise, just subscribing, upvotes, downvotes, dislikes are great, and telling your friends that we exist and having these conversations every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.